Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. We're dancing in the studio is always loud. Thank you for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with and laugh. I believe we have to have some fun along the way, right? Well, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Thank you for joining us. Well, today we're going to explore the single tenant net lease investment market. As most of our listeners know, these are freestanding commercial properties leased to one tenant, typically on a long-term lease, with a tenant handling and paying all property operating costs and maintenance. The most popular properties are the ones with well-known high-credit tenants. You know, the market for these properties is a dynamic one where changes in demand, interest rates, tenant credit, length and terms of leases, and other factors affect property value. The single-tenant market is also known to be a very stable property sector. With the demand for safe yield in this cycle, the single-tenant market has been a hot investment alternative, and not just for professional real estate investors and REITs. Accountants and wealth advisors have been sending private equity investors to net lease brokers all over the country. The properties offer strong risk-adjusted returns and are probably the most liquid real estate investment you'll find out there. But where is the market headed? How will FASB, interest rates, and the economy affect the market moving forward? And do you own single-tenant properties? Does your company own your own facility? As many of us have discovered in this cycle, in real estate, timing is everything. It was still about location, location, location. But I think a lot of people have also learned timing, 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 right? Well, with demand so high and cap rates and interest rates so low, is it time to be a seller in the net lease market? Well, today we'll get an inside look at the sector from some specialists in the field, including a broker, an investor, and a successful developer. Well, let's meet our guests. First, please welcome Karen Hutton, CEO of The Hutton Company. With a rich history of commercial leasing and deep family roots in development, Karen founded The Hutton Company in 1994, and they have been busy. With more than 175 owned and managed developments and over 700 freestanding locations delivered, they work in 35 states and deliver 70-plus developments every year. Karen, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Please welcome Roman DeVille, Chairman of the Board and CEO of Capital South Financial Services, a private lender of asset-based financing and private capital. Roman has practiced law for 40 years and has a long success record of owning commercial real estate, assets including single-tenant properties with tenants like Advance Auto, Office Depot, Dollar General, Burger King, McDonald's, Rite Aids, and Walgreens. Roman, thanks for joining us today. Great to be here. Also, please welcome Nancy Miller, VP, National Net Lease Investment Group at Bull Realty. Nancy and her team focus on assisting clients with the acquisition and disposition of single-tenant net lease investment properties. The National Net Lease Investment Group is a division of Bull Realty, a U.S. commercial real estate sales and advisory firm headquartered in Atlanta. Nancy, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Enjoy being here. Well, thank you all for uh, joining us today, and we, and we look forward to the different perspectives that you, you all have in the marketplace. And, and the first thing I'd like to ask you is, uh, you know, the single-tenant net lease market has been very active through this cycle. I mean, there's this flight to quality, this flight to safety, this search for yield. What are you seeing for velocity in the marketplace right now, Nancy? Michael, from the perspective that we see from 2011 to 2012, we've probably seen an increase in in our market of about 
20, 30% increase in transactions. And from 2012 to 2013, uh, we have seen also about a 30% increase, and we anticipate that possibly leveling out a little bit because supply side is going to be shorter, but we're going to look at at least a 15 to 20% increase this coming year over last year's transactions. Wow, that's a big increase. And and Karen, what do you see on the development side for uh, demand right now? On the development side, it's pretty much um, we're focused on the single tenant uh, triple net market like like you're, you're discussing here. And the tenants that we're working with are all very active, whether it's the discount auto parts, uh, discount retailers. They're very active and going to continue to grow this year. And uh, the buyers are kind of knocking your doors down as well, right? You're seeing a lot of buyer demand for your properties. The supply and demand, just like Nancy said, is um, there's less supply and there's a lot of demand right there right now. So we're finally in the in the seat that we can decide whether we want to sell and hold on a while and watch the cap rates move in our favor which is an unexpected and nice surprise to have. That's right. Well, Roman, as an investor, what do you see in the marketplace as, as you're out buying and selling uh, net lease properties? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the triple net, uh, net lease as a uh, form of diversifying a well-balanced portfolio. And um, when I buy stock, I look for a 45 5% dividend when I buy bonds, there is no return right now. Mm-hmm. And really the triple net uh, lease investment uh, can pretty much give you a 7% return, which is a, for the stability it offers is unmatched in other forms of a liquid investment and makes the most sense to me right now. And are you a buyer or a seller right now? Or are you both? I'm primarily a buyer. I always have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, a triple net lease is an ultimate form of investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do have one property under contract now mm-hmm. because the cap rates have moved in my favor so dramatically. I can't say no to a, a very strong profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I've sold properties in the past, it's only to refine them. And I've bought back the same brand, but perhaps at a, what I consider a better location. That's great. Well, Nancy, uh, what types of properties are most popular right now? Well, Michael, I think the folks are looking for long-term leases, properties that, uh, uh, such as your auto-related, your O'Reilly Advance Auto, your Dollar General new 15-year leases, uh, a lot of those kinds of small box and some big box and some industrial as well that have long-term leases, your FedEx industrial leases and those kinds of things. But the demand is is really more in terms of longer lease and then stable tenant. Okay. And as far as the type of, of tenants goes, that that kind of necessary retail that uh, that everyone has to shop, are those kind of real popular uh, with buyers? It, uh, absolutely. Um, especially uh, your discount dollar store type uh, folks, especially as the economy is still in, in an uproar a little bit. Uh, gas prices are high. People are convenience shopping, going closer. So these small retail stores in outlying areas, for example, are very popular as well. Okay. And Karen, of the uh, properties that you develop, uh, which ones are you seeing the most demand for right now? Uh, we're developing mostly family dollar stores, and there's a there's a huge demand for the family dollar stores, even though these are 10-year uh, double net leases. And the Dollar Generals are true triple net leases in 15 years. There's still a demand, but the cap rates are, are different. Um, 
the auto parts stores are doing very well. There's um, just like Nancy was saying that uh, with the economy, people keeping their cars longer, people not wanting to travel as much. Um, they're really learning how to fix their cars, and the auto parts stores have really gained a lot of momentum these past five years. And Roman, if you're out uh, buying in the marketplace, what's at the top of your shopping list? I bought four restaurants this year, uh, including a Mickey D, a Burger King, and a Hardee's, and a uh, Longhorn Steakhouse, which was sort of my upscale venture. It was an exceptional location. You're making me hungry now. (laughs) (laughs) My my thinking was that in this economy, the average uh, household with two children uh, it's, it's difficult for him to go out for a good family meal without spending a huge amount of money, and I thought that would be something that uh, would be a good fit with this economy. For the same reason, I have a lot of the discount stores and the auto parts stores because I fully agree that people will maintain their cars rather than buy new ones. Makes sense in this economy. And, uh, and you can pretty much pick where you want to be yeah that's great so geographically you can go anywhere just find the right tenant right i I agree with the auto auto stores because the general lee that i drive you know i always have to repair it all the time we got to keep her in shape right (laughs) paint that new x on the on the top of the roof and drive it around um so we're, we're short on on the break nancy but if if the the what is the best tenant right now that you would say buyers are calling you and they want that tenant is it is it mcdonald's or who is it i'd say the top ones would be your dollar stores with the longer leases your auto related as these folks have have talked about and some of your tried and true qsrs or quick service restaurants would be the three Okay. All right. We're going to have to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about credit tenants. We're going to talk about new supply. And we're going to talk about corporate lease guarantees and how that affects value and what we're seeing in the marketplace there. I'm Michael Bull. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. And I do the show so that I can always remember my name. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and if you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, we had a recent show featuring strategies for banks and lenders related to distressed assets, and a show on mixed-use developments in the new economy, and a show on how the tax changes of 2013 may affect the commercial real estate industry. You can access these shows anytime on your smartphone or computer. Just visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're exploring the latest on the single-tenant net lease investment market. My guests are Karen Hutton, Roman DeVille, and Nancy Miller. And uh, I'd like to talk about the levels of new supply now. I mean, there's a lot of demand in the marketplace for these these single-tenant net lease properties. It seems to be a bit of a, a seller's market at the moment. Where are new construction levels right now, and, and how does that compare to, say, previous years, uh, Karen? We're focused, again, on the single-tenant net lease developments, mm-hmm. one-acre tracks across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our own construction arm that's mm-hmm. uh, been able to stay busy the last six years. Uh, we actually went from $21 million in two years ago to $40 million this year, and we'll be over 50 to $60 million this year. Wow. 
but that's doing what we do, which is yeah. following those, you know, single tenant uh, net lease all over the country. Yeah, and so there's plenty of demand by by the investors, and there's plenty of those tenants uh, looking for new locations. Absolutely. Um, Family Dollar this year, I think their goal is 500 stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dollar General is 600 stores. Uh, uh, Advance Auto is 200 stores. O'Reilly Auto Parts is 200 stores. And if you're chasing those, you've got a lot of work. Yeah. And Nancy, what else do you see about the expected uh, expansion around the country? Well, in addition, uh, some of the inline tenants are going to be expanding, uh, which are not standalone. Your GameStops, your Dunkin' Donuts, uh, sometimes your Ace Hardwares. We're seeing also your Sherwin-Williams coming up, uh, and Chipotle and Popeye, some of your QSR fast food, Best Buy, Mobile. Uh, is is expanding, and then a lot of the inline in shopping center type folks, your Cato's uh, we're seeing, and uh, Academy Sports, for example. So you have it a little bit of everything across the board, but there is growth in the smaller box uh, single tenant. Okay, well that's interesting. You know, and in the single tenant net lease market, you you have credit tenants for the. The lower cap rates are considered the, the safe uh, bets, if you will. But you also have single tenant net lease properties who are local tenants or are regional tenants and may offer some some higher cap rates. Uh, maybe their office, maybe their industrial, or maybe their retail as well. What I'd like to ask you, Nancy, is what defines a credit tenant in the eyes of an investor and, and single tenant? Uh, the credit tenant generally is going to be rated by Standard and Poor's. Uh, they'll have a B, double B or better rating to give them a, a secure feeling. Uh, triple B minus or better becomes investment grade. And folks uh, have, there's a relationship with the higher the grade, the lower the cap rate. So uh, that's, uh, so your Walgreens might be uh, an A and your uh, Dollar General might be a B, triple B minus. Both are investment grade and strong. But there are non-credit tenants as well that are out there. Okay. So my freestanding uh, barbecue store, Michael Bull's Barbecue, that's not credit tenant, is it? No. Not <laughs> unless you own a heck of a lot of them. <laughs> and no, they're not, unless they're rated by S&P large enough to be rated. You know, and I think that's interesting for some of the listeners that, that own their own facilities, uh, whether they're medical or, or office, industrial or retail you know, if you own your own facility and you're you're willing to sign a long-term lease, that might be a very valuable property right now, and it depends really on your credit and and how you set up that lease. So I think that's also something mm-hmm. to look at, even though you might not be considered credit tenant. Uh, mm-hmm. I know sometimes we'll tell an owner you're not a credit tenant. And they, what? What? What do we? <laughs> I have excellent credit. What do you mean? One example is a Rite Aid, for example. Uh, they may be located on Main and Main, fabulous location. However, their credit is not what an investor might call investment grade. So the question is, do you go for the real estate or do you go for the tenant? Three or four years ago, Family Dollar was an investment grade because they hadn't paid to be rated by Standard & Poor's. So you've got to also look at that and make sure you you can go to your banker and and get them to rate it for you or, or, or do more research if you're uncomfortable with looking at the Internet and knowing what you're really getting talk to your mm-hmm. your lenders and say what what do you see what do you, how do you rate this tenant what would be the loan value of this tenant that's another way to get a, a barometer on what on what kind of tenant you're dealing with right and let's look at that Rite Aid store that's at that great location what kind of cap rate are you going to get on a on a Rite Aid as compared to say a Walgreens right now Nancy 
Well, you could get an uh, eight plus cap rate on the Rite Aid, and on the Walgreens, you might get something like a five and a half to six percent cap rate. So there's certainly a premium for the stability. And the cap rates, you know, the lower the better. Right. If you're if you're selling, and if you're return, and I think my father that uh, didn't deal with cap rates as much in the '70s gets confused a little bit on the cap rate and it being a lower number and, and mm-hmm. how the how the uh, sales price is affected by that. Right. The lower the cap rate, the higher the price. So if you're a seller, you want that low cap rate, right? If you're a buyer, uh, you want it high. And uh, so let's talk about some other issues that uh, affect value. And one of those is the corporate lease guarantees. Uh, what are some value and investment considerations for properties with corporate guarantee leases versus leases that are not corporate guaranteed, uh, Roman? As a rule, I exclude everything that's not corporate Guaranteed out of the box. Out of the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm part of a network of probably hundreds of people on the internet who notify me of leases that mm-hmm. become available, mm-hmm. and I've told them that if it's not 15 years in length or a corporate deal, please save us both time. Uh, for my next challenge, I go and look them up in the stock market. And uh, to not to beat a dead horse, but Dollar General has 12,000 locations. I think Burger King has may have 16 or 60,000 locations. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot of comfort in owning one of those stores. Then you have to balance: Do I want to make two thirds uh, more or one third more, and have the great comfort, or do I want to take a chance? Uh, recently, because sometimes you have to try something different, I took a franchisee. A large franchisee has about 200 stores. I have the owner's personal guarantee, uh, and I like the location a lot, and it's a really standout building, and uh, I took a chance. But as a rule, if you want to re- really, really, really be uh, in a safe investment, you look for a 10, 12, 15-year lease and a corporate lease. Okay, so in the case of a corporate guarantee, everybody understands that, but in the case of the one you just you just bought, you had the guarantee personally of the franchisee, and the franchisee had enough stores where you felt a great comfort level. But you also got a, a better price. You got a higher return, right? I got three quarters of a point more than I would have gotten for that same store uh, for, directly from the corporation. Right. Nancy, what do you see? Well, um, we just completed a spring survey of single-tenant and net lease um, owners and investors and we asked them a question that I think is, is important to this. We asked them to describe their motivation in acquiring single-tenant properties. And the top three responses we received, they want one, long-term stabilized income. That was 85% of the people who responded. Secondly, they're looking to do a 1031 exchange, and that was a, about 38%, which is a far higher number than we would have thought. And the third most important reason is portfolio diversification, and about 32% said that. Okay. Well, stay with us. We'll have more on the future of the single-tenant net lease market. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. 
Would you like an easy button to attract more visitors to your website? Well, you can now download a free widget providing your site visitors access to informative commercial real estate show videos and audio podcasts right on your website. Just visit commercialrealestateshow.com and look for the widget on the homepage. It's free and it works automatically. Well, today we're exploring the latest on the single-tenant net lease investment market. My guests are Karen Hutton, Roman DeVille, and Nancy Miller. And Nancy, I'd like to ask you about uh, value shifts based on the term of the lease. So if an investor or seller is looking at uh, buying or selling a single-tenant net lease property and it has a 15-year lease or 20-year lease, obviously there's more value. And and how does that value change if the, the lease is, say, less than 10 years or so? Uh, Michael, that's a good question. And uh, take example in O'Reilly's, uh, maybe a 20-year lease, cap rate may be 6.5%. Take a 15-year uh, dollar general. You might have a new construction at a seven and a quarter cap rate. Take a new construction family dollar, a 10-year double net at about an eight and a quarter cap rate. And then we do a lot of vintage uh, dollar store sales, and that's where the value is in terms of cap rates ranging from, depending on the location and the quality, eight and a quarter to close to nine cap rate. Okay, so if I want a 15-year lease dollar general, I'm going to pay what cap rate r- r- roughly right now? I'll pay, you'll pay, you'll pay a lot, Michael. You're going to pay a seven and a quarter. Now, and then if I do a, find one for the seven or eight year, what cap rate might I find? With the DG, you might pay a seven, I mean, excuse me, an eight, eight and a quarter to eight and a half, eight and three quarters, depending on various factors. Okay, so you can get a much higher return if you willing to take a little more risk on that lease renewal, right? Sure. And what do you see for lease renewal rates on a tenant like that? How often are you seeing that they renew their leases or don't? Um, frequently, uh, the it's cheaper for all to renew, except if, if there is uh, location issues and some other uh, issues the tenant is unhappy with. They may want to relocate, but Uh, 95% of the time in the world that I'm more familiar with, the dollar store world, that tenant will renew. Uh, If there are other circumstances, uh, they will want to relocate for a larger store, better location, an antiquated location. They don't want to invest in that store, but rebuild, et cetera. Okay. So if you're representing me as a purchaser, and I don't like it that you said, I'm going to pay a lot. Thanks a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you represent me as a purchaser, and I'm looking at a, a, a single tenant property with a really short lease. Let's say it's three to, to six years or something. What are some factors I might want to look at to weigh that risk? Well, I think there are a lot of things. I go back to location, location, which is in the annals of, of, of real estate of important. I would look also at how the, do you have a history of the store sales? Have they been good? Have they not been good? Um, again, access, uh, visibility. How large is that store compared to the current prototype? If it's an 8,000 square foot store versus a 9,100 square foot store, do they want to make it larger? And is it easier to go move 10 doors down with a cheap lot and rebuild versus try to expand on site? And again, the, the other piece is, uh, what is the rent per square foot right now? Are you under market or over market? So that if I'm getting paid $5 a square foot in rent, um, if you go away and I have a, a, a blank dark store, as they say, what kind of rent will I get? Will I get maybe $10 because that's the market? Well, maybe I do want you to go away because I'm going to make twice as much in rent with you gone. 
That's interesting. And Roman, you have a rule of thumb that uh, you use, right, as an investor on the price per square foot? Yes, uh, I see so many attractive properties that uh, have a sales price of $500 or thereabouts per square foot, and I categorically turn them down, regardless of who the tenant is. It all makes sense in terms of of proportion, but it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I kind of look at $200 to $300 per square foot. I mean, it's just a box with concrete you're buying, <laughs> right. and, 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 and not a mansion with, with a lot of marble. And I don't want to be in a position of the store going dark and I have to resell it and I have to get $500 a square foot to get even. So, Nancy, there's a, a group of investors who are really interested in those short-term uh, lease terms that are left on the lease, right? Absolutely. Um, our survey that I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, about 12.5% uh, of the people who responded said they look, they're looking for leases of less than five years and about 32% said they'll consider leases of five to seven years. Right, yeah, I think that's interesting. There's some real upside there if you can understand the risk and you can weigh it, and it sounds like there's a lot of factors mm -hmm. to keep in mind. All right, well, after a quick break, more intel on the net lease sector. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some very interesting shows coming up for you, including a show featuring tips for investing in the distressed market, a show on different types of commercial real estate auctions, and an interesting show about some of the top issues surrounding commercial real estate contracts. Be sure to catch shows of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're exploring the latest on the single-tenant net lease market. My guests are Karen Hutton, Roman DeVille, and Nancy Miller. I'd like to ask you quickly, what is, how does it affect the value of a net lease property when it's triple net, versus double net and of course as most our listeners know triple net the tenants taking care of everything on a double net uh, the landlord has a few responsibilities how does that affect uh, value well there's a couple things to affect the value as mm -hmm. well as the supply there's gonna if you're a true triple net looking for to grab a check every month and not have any responsibilities on the lease it reduces the pool of the people that are willing to pay that lower cap rate to get that tenant the double nets much more popular it's out there a lot more where the tenant has given you back some of the responsibilities whether it's roof and structural which is your foundation and repairs and things like that but because of the market today you're not seeing too much difference in the double net and the triple net because there's no supply there because there's so much demand right right so, so much demand in it but the, the investor is obviously putting in those expenses into his cap rate but the demand is about the same you're saying yeah correct and roman what do you see as a buyer as a buyer, I sold, I had two triple nets out of 20 uh, mm -hmm. stores in my portfolio, and I sold them both because the little landlord responsibility translated into a whole lot of hands-on management hmm. uh, from, from insurance issues to uh, replacing HVAC to fixing roofs. It required me to have an, a local management company and pay wow. my management fee because it includes me having to uh, 
have a monthly landscaping contract, among other things. <laughs> it's the little things that I expressly don't want to do anymore. Right, that's, that's, that's what, the fool I'm talking yeah. about. He's, right. There's a lot of people that you know can deal with those things. In fact, I want your number. I want to start managing your properties for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what we do. We have 175 of those, but the the details is in is in the lease. And I think that uh, just looking at every lease and thinking they're all the same. If you're buying one dollar generally, one family dollar, they've all been negotiated by a different developer. And you've got to go to that maintenance clause and really see what you have. And because we've owned so many so long, I think we've done a much better job at making sure the landlord is protected and the tenant has really spelled out what responsibilities are. A lot of these developers, that they don't have any intention on keeping it, and they're not as concerned about those clauses, and they just kind of gloss over them, and they do pass it on to an investor. So it's something to really, I think, we're – very different in that category but whether people notice it the smaller developers they probably don't there's a huge difference in those few clauses that roman was talking about yeah that's a very good point and i'd like to change the subject a little bit to talk about some cap rates and see what are some cap rates right now for some sample tenants at least terms around the country uh, michael we we are seeing as a general uh sector classes uh six percent cap rates in the bank sector um, QSR or uh, quick service restaurants around 7% mm. uh, and uh, sit down casual about 7.1%. Um, the pharmacy sector, uh, it's pulled down by the Walgreens of the world, but about 6.6% as the average cap rate. The dollar store world, if you mix vintage and new, it's about 745 and uh, C stores are becoming more favorable. They're about 6.35. People like your QTs, your racetracks are uh, actively expanding. And in the automotive sector, which we all have talked about a little here, uh, your uh, advanced auto and those those folks are about 7.3% cap rates on average. Okay, well, that's interesting. Well, what are some of the factors that could affect cap rates uh, moving forward either way, uh, positive or negatively, Karen? We've got your interest rates that are going to affect the cap rate. As the interest rates, when they do go higher, it's going to uh, affect the cap rates where the return that we're getting today that's been compressed is going to start creeping up. Uh, the investor has a lot more choices. Uh, Romans, the, the investor here, probably can elaborate, but you know, going into bonds and going into things a little safer versus what was what we were experienced five years ago, getting even loans or, or buyers, we were kind of stuck at a cap rate that really didn't let us get out of our properties to sell it for more than what we had in it. What happens in the general economy certainly affects triple triple nets. Uh, a few years ago, you could get quality bonds paying you 6%, 6.5%. That doesn't exist today. You, you get 2% perhaps. And uh, that means if you're looking for a 7% return, you have to be in triple nets. Uh, the choices you have in, in comparable investments certainly impacts in what you're willing to pay for uh, the privilege of having a, a guaranteed interest stream, right. income stream. Right. Well, uh, we're short on the break here, Karen, but you know, many companies use sell leasebacks to, to monetize their business and expand. How is the current market for sell leaseback opportunities? Uh, what's happened is these uh, national tenants have decided that or evaluated the rent rates they were paying and they have a lot of cash because they haven't been investing their money into real estate lately they've been letting the developers do that over the past few years but now they're taking and using those dollars to develop it themselves and then able to bundle these up in 50 properties or more and sell them out to a REITs 
at a much compressed interest rate. But they're also, in order to protect the other developers, you're saying, well, what happens? You know, I can sell mine for a, an eight cap, and if, if they're going to go uh, wrap it up and sell it for a much lower, and, and they're also turning those into a triple, true triple net lease, which is what we don't have on our leases. But they're also putting a clause in there where the REITs do not, cannot just sell them as one-offs. So they're able to compress the cap rate even more, keep their rent rate at a, at a seven or maybe below versus an interest rate of what they're paying for money, which is 3% right, right now. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting time for, for companies that own real estate to uh, look at sale leasebacks. Well, after a quick break, more information for you. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Sometimes opportunity comes along because you're at the right place at the right time. A commercial redevelopment site on Peachtree Street in Buckhead, Atlanta, appraised for $7.5 million, is now available for $5 million. For more information, visit the homepage at bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. You know, you may be listening to this show anywhere from Portugal to Hawaii today. This show has been broadcast around the world for two and a half years on the radio, iTunes, and the show website. Well, in January, the show was also picked up by the Wall Street Business Network in 10 major radio markets across the U.S. So wherever you are today, thank you for joining us. And today, we're exploring the single-tenant net lease investment market. My guests are Karen Hutton, Roman DeVille, and Nancy Miller. And as most our listeners know, when you finance a property at a lower interest rate, then the rate of the return the property produces, that obviously increases your return. It's called positive leverage. Nancy, can you share an example of a cash-on-cash return that was increased by positive leverage in a single-tenant net lease property? Sure. Uh, If you take a property, let's say a million-dollar price point, and if you were to pay all cash for it, and the net income was $80,000, so your return on that, or your cash-on-cash return, is an 8% return. Take the same scenario, let's assume you get a loan, put 35% down, or $350,000, so you're carrying a $650,000 loan. Assume that the same $80,000 is your income, now your debt service or your loan might be around 45000 so you have net cash flow of about $35,000. So 35000 in uh, income and 350000 in gives you about a 10% cash on cash return. So you're better. And by the way, you have that extra $650,000 that you could have spent paying cash to go leverage and buy other net lease investments. Or you can come by my General Lee, right? My car. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that car. <laughs> and, and Roman, uh, is, what tip would you give an investor related to mortgages? It's a very personal viewpoint, but in, in my perspective, I have avoided leverage. To me, a, tr- a triple net is a final resort it's a putting money away and taking it out of flow uh, putting it away as a final investment and if you do have a loan on a property uh, most of those loans especially the pass-through loans have a penalty upon and and even a, a prohibition against being paid off before a certain time which makes it very difficult to resell this location 
Right. Because you need a, a, a buyer who would be willing to assume the loan. That's a good point. So if you're putting a loan on a property, uh, consider when you resell it, you want, might want to deliver it uh, debt-free in some cases. Are you guys seeing more activity in a 1031 exchange uh, marketplace? I, I'm seeing a lot more uh, 1031s uh, just the first of this year. I think uh, 40% of the people calling inquiring about some of our properties are saying the word 1031 in that call. Well, as Roman was saying earlier, it's a, it's a great property type for to do a 1031. Now, our time has to end here. Can you guys give us a quick tip before you go? I am now uh, being very selective in what states I buy triple nets in. Uh, in this certain, in this current tax environment, uh, there's no reason not to take advantage of the six states that have no state income tax. And if you buy a, uh, a store in Florida, for instance, there is no state income tax. Yeah, good point. Quick tip, Nancy. Yeah, rural is in. Uh, rural is where you can get better property values, uh, better returns, and don't worry because you're considered considerate people uh, don't want to drive and spend a lot of money on gas these days. They want convenience shopping. They want it close. That store, that net lease investment will be there for a long time. So some of those rural retailers are doing well because people don't want to drive the town, right? Karen, yeah, what quick tip for us? Uh, I think the, the devil's in the details. I think you've got to look at your leases and the, the main uh, clauses that are going to cost you money, like Roman was talking about earlier, and that's as well as the loans as well. There's there's details, and they are negotiable. So I think on the loan lending side, you've got to really look at the negotiable items and make sure you protect yourself. All right. Well, Karen, Roman, Nancy, thanks for joining us today. Michael, thanks Thank for having you. us. The contact information and websites for everyone on the show today is available at commercialrealestateshow.com. Have an invitation for you as a listener. Can you join us next week? We'll get an update on the distress market and share tips for investing in distress and value-add. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is made available by professionals at Cone Resnick, BB&T, France Media, and Bull Realty. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts or videos, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.